Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. We're a podcast about board games where we have opinions and conclusions formed on the basis of incomplete information. This episode of Cardboard Conjecture is brought to you by these great Saskatoon businesses. Amazing Stories Comics on 8th Street, Dragon's Den Games on 8th Street, and Breakout Escape Rooms on Faithful Avenue. Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. I'm your host, Norm. I'm Ryan. I'm Ian. And on today's episode, we will be doing, of course, thinking, playing, doing board games. And this time, it's a handoff to Ian. It was your idea. It was your topic. So I'll let you let us know what we're doing. Okay, so it's Legacy Month here at Cardboard Conjecture. We had our interview with Rob Davio a couple of weeks ago. And today it's all about pandemic. Cardboard Conjecture is proudly sponsored by Amazing Stories Comics on 8th Street in Saskatoon. They're the winner of the Joe Schuster Award for Best Comic Book Store in Canada. And they were also nominated in 2016 for the U.S. Eisner Spirit of Comics Retailer Award presented at Comic-Con. Amazing Stories, amazing collection of comic books, board games, puzzles, and collectibles can be found in their store or on their new online website. And welcome back. This is Cardboard Conjecture. Let's go straight into playing, doing, thinking board games. And I'm going to, I'm going to head this one up right away. And um, I'm going to talk about one of my favorite little abstract tile laying games called Calico. Um, from Fallout Games, I believe. Um, flat out. Flat out. I don't have my notes up. Good. See? Conjecture, man. No. Um, and uh, um, it's basically um, uh, two pattern abstract puzzle building, I guess, point scoring. Um, there's three levels of, you've got your little tableau in front of you. You're uh, drawing either different color, six different color um, tiles that have six different patterns on them. So there's this really cool kind of uh, um, uh, dual, uh, uh, dueling banjos kind of thing going on with uh, how you create patterns on your on your blanket that you're creating. And within your blanket, you have these, uh, um, I think, like strategy tiles. I forget what the specific title is, but these tiles that uh, require you to place uh, um, in a certain pattern, like maybe a grouping around one of these scoring tiles is you need three types of colors and three types of patterns to score level one bonuses and level two bonuses. And basically it's a fast playing game that I've talked about before. And uh, yeah, I can't, I, th- this is such a good little brain puzzle, um, 30 minute, 25 minute solo play, right? 35 minute, 25 minute. Um, I- I'm just having so much fun with this game. It's usually you, you, you figure it out. And then at least for me, play it, figure it out, move on to the next one. And the fact that this is cycling back on the table says a lot to me. So, yeah. Have you guys, any of you guys played it? I'm more of a dog person. You're more of a dog. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, at least these cats don't leave like fur all over the place. So, yeah. Uh, I haven't I haven't tried it yet. I keep, I keep hearing comparisons to Sagrada. And I yeah, totally see that. 
yeah, so I, I have I have to just try it to see what the comparison is. Uh, but um, it, it, just, it just opened up today that um, um, Flat Out has their um, Cascadia Kickstarter. That's right. Um, late, late pledges are open, and you can get the Kickstarter edition of Calico in there too. As a I was bundle. about to jump in on that before we went into the recording session, so I'll have to put a note. But yeah, um, yeah, I'm I'm quite happy with this one. There's a there's kind of a little campaign thing on the back of just like challenge levels that you have to achieve. Oh, so I always like that. Yeah, I mean, at least there's there's a script um, that uh, allows you to explore a little deeper. So yay. Ian, we'll let Ryan, we'll let Ryan uh, have this up last because he's got his thematic thing to talk about. So uh, you had mentioned this before we started playing, Ian. Uh, yeah, so I bought My City, which is a legacy game. Uh, it's two to four players and it's pretty new. And Kimberly and I were thinking, well, that, that would actually be good just for during lockdown, just the two of us, because Ryan said it's really good with two players. Mm-hmm. And we thought, hey, we'll give it a go. Um, it's really, really, really fast. Like, <laughs> it's it's twenty four. It's a twenty four game campaign, but you could knock that sucker out in a weekend if you really wanted to. Yeah. We're not going to. We're going to stretch it out. But actually, you guys, any like actually, Lane, Kimberly mentioned that you two would like this quite a bit. I think, and if you played it with uh, with Ella, I think. You guys had have a really good time with this one. It's 24 games, legacy. Um, but the games are like 20 minutes. Like they're not very, not yeah, very it, much. Yeah, if that too. <clears throat> and Matt, I think you guys would like it too. Is it compelling enough? Is that what is, I mean, there's stuff that's light that is just to be light, but it's, there's also like. Yeah, a, it's really light. It's not complicated, but yeah. it, it presents new challenges every game that are that are interesting to to tackle ratchets yeah. up the skill level kind of thing yeah a little yeah, and bit then, yeah. and and each and each chapter kind of has its own um thematic thing that's hap that's going to happen throughout the oh cool through, throughout the campaign so is there a narrative like it's i mean we've talked legacy and there's <laughs> there, there, there's, there's a very loose there's a very yeah, loose there's, usually there's a storyline or there's some sort of you know <laughs> compelling narrative to follow uh, but this hey, was Polyama this was designed knows. This one was designed by <laughs> Reiner Knizia. I don't think he has been very known for his storytelling elements. Yeah. 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 The boat anyway, I'll probably a... talk about that more next week. So cool. That's, but that's what we've been trying to. Ryan. Cool. So what, what month is this, man? It's February. And that means it's Steffenfeld plus February, if no one remembered <laughs> last, last, last time. Math so. teacher, this plus this equals. <laughs> so uh, the ones that I don't have. So the one that I'm going to have, sorry, the ones I'm going to highlight that we've been playing a lot lately, uh, well, Castles of Burgundy is one that's been being played uh, quite Love a bit. That game. It, it, it is. Uh, now, I've just talked about it on the uh, What You've Been Playing Wednesday podcast, but we just really enjoy it. It's a good puzzle. Um, we have the anniversary edition, so we have like all the different player boards. So every different, so we just randomize what player board we're going to play with. And it's just a new puzzle every single time. And I really, I, I don't know, this is one that I, I just really like the scoring in it where they, um, every round um, when you complete an area is worth so many points and then that progressively gets lower and lower. So it kind of rewards you for being able to complete areas early on. Yeah. And oh, the no, and then the knowledge tiles and the combos that you can build. We just really, really enjoy it. 
And then the other one that we've been playing a lot lately, actually one that kind of really surprised us that how much we liked it was uh, um, Carpe Diem, which is kind of a newer release. It's, I believe it's a 2019 and it's already on its third edition. I was going to ask if this was the second edition. So this is a third yeah. one already. Okay. Yeah. So there was the first edition had major um, graphical design um, issues with it. And then um, the second edition kind of tried to clean that up a little bit. Also did a couple rule tweaks, still didn't really address the graphical design issues. <laughs> and now they just, now they completely redid it with brand new art, brand new graphical design, new updated rules. And I, so I can't comment the old one, the new ones. It's, it's a fantastic, uh, fantastic. It's a tile laying game and you choose your tiles by moving around a, a circular rondelle type of thing. And then you place tiles on a board. Once you complete certain buildings or you complete certain pastures, you get bonuses mm -hmm. and those bonuses grant you either goods or they get you points and then you cash in goods at the end of the round for points. No. Uh, yep. You said Rondell. Is that very similar to Merlin? Uh, no, quite quite a bit different than Merlin. Okay. Merlin, you're moving around a Rondell by, by via dice movement. Mm -hmm. This one is just you just pick up a pawn and move it. Oh, okay. Rondell movement and uh, okay. yeah, I this is a very it feels like a very classic Steffenfeld design. Um, kind of like way back, kind of like he went back to his roots type of deal. It's very simple to play, very simple to teach, and very simple to learn. But man, oh man, can you get frustrated because you really feel like you're not playing optimally. <laughs> Even though it's that's so my wheelhouse, man. <laughs> so you 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 don't feel like you're playing optimally, but that you at the end you just end up scoring like a whole bunch of points for like I'm like, oh, I guess I did way better than I actually thought I did. Or I thought Jen was actually crushing me, but oh no, I actually made it up in the end. Cool. So cool. Um, I didn't know that graphical is a word. Why not? I'm I'm not I'm not an English guy. I make I make up words all the time. Fluberu. That's all right. It works. It's fine. So. As long as it's as long as it's found on the test. Yeah. Cool. So we, we, well, we've been really committed. Game. Yeah. Yeah, we've been really committed to the Felduary thing. The the only non-Feld games I play is with Norm on Wednesday nights when we do our Marvel Champions. Hey, we haven't spoken enough about Marvel, have we? No. Have to get Marvel Champions in here once. Ian, have you played some Marvel yet? Not yet. <laughs> Lane, we'll have to do this one. I think you'll like yeah. Marvels. The Marvel yeah. Cool. Um, so quickly run through because we're just approaching week two. So far, what have you played Fell in February? Rapid fire. Um, so Castles of Burgundy, Carpe Diem. Um, some other ones that I'm going to mention in the next show. We've been play we played Aquasphere and we've played. Did you do Bonfire uh, yet? We have not played Bonfire. Oh, uh, I no, took out my Aquasphere. Today, yeah. yeah, Aquasphere and Bruges have been the other ones that uh, that that we've played. But I'm going to talk about those ones next week. This episode of Cardboard Conjecture is proudly sponsored by Dragon's Den Games, located in the Louis VIII Mall on H Street in Saskatoon. Swing by Dragon's Den Games and let Darren, Al, and the awesome staff help you out in search for great board games, role-playing games, miniature systems, and all of the related accessories. Be a part of their gaming communities that have scheduled events in their great gaming area. Dragon's Den Games, Louis VIII Mall on 8th Street in Saskatoon.
And welcome back. This is Cardboard Conjecture. We're going to go into topics of interest. And I'm going to hand this off to Ian because Ian's got the down and the low on all of what's going on legacy. So, Ian. I know we're all sick of hearing about the pandemic, <laughs> but this is pandemic <laughs> legacy. And so we have three guests with us tonight. We have Matt. Say hi, Matt. Hey, guys. We have Lane. Hello. And we have Brett. Hey, how's it going? It's a full full house tonight. Full house. So we we thought that it might be a really good idea, especially with Pandemic Legacy Season 0 right around the corner. I mean, it's out already. Lots of people played it, but we are going to play it as soon as, you know, things open up again. Pandemic real life ends. Yes. <laughs> so... We thought we'd do an episode just talking about the first two pandemic legacies. And so just as a warning, from this point forward, these will be spoilers for pandemic legacy one and two. Although we'll do one first and then we'll do two. So if, if you are the kind of person that doesn't want to be spoiled and wants to come back later after they've played it, we'll, we'll split between the two. So if you've played one but not two, you can you can ditch out halfway through. So... You have been warned. We're going full spoiler because I don't think a lot of people really do that when they talk about legacy games. So we kind of no, yeah. There's very there's very few shows out there that I've listened to that have actually ever like did a full spoiler, um, like like the afterwards. Like they just say, oh yeah, we finished it afterwards, and then they just kind of just leave it. Right. See, yeah. part of me is thinking, oh, I'll put show notes and I'll put the time codes where they can jump in. But then me being the prank should be like, I'm totally putting the wrong codes in so that they. <laughs> <laughs> No. <laughs> so we thought we'd bring <laughs> we thought bring in some guests. So of course, Ryan and I have played both campaigns together and we did a group of four. And so we decided to bring Matt and Brett in as the other two in, in the foursome for our pandemic games. And then we thought to get a different perspective, we're gonna bring somebody else in. And so we thought, hey, Lane has played, and so we're gonna bring Lane in as a perspective of somebody who played a different game than us, just to kind of see how the similarities stories. and differences are. And then we've got Norm, who's not played them at all. So he's just learning <laughs> it all straight up. I'm watching the dumpster fire. And I don't think Norm will play them. No, no, because... I will ne I'll never, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so he's good to go. Okay, so let's get into Pandemic's Legacy Season 1. And... What I thought we'd just start with an overview of the game and then we'll get into kind of what our game looked like. So the objective of the game, does anyone want to volunteer? Tell us what our overall purpose of Pandemic Legacy was, any volunteers? You know what, just call them out. You're a teacher, just call them out. <laughs> Throwing it to Matt. Matt, what was the purpose okay. of this game? Okay. Uh, well, if any anyone's played the original Pandemic game, you really start out very similar to the base Pandemic. Um, where this changes is as you go through, uh, there's 12 different months, which you can play up to two times per month, depending on whether you win or lose. And during each of those months, it changes the objectives as you go through. Um, yeah. Basically, the, the win goal is the same as regular pandemic generally, trying to clear out clear out the, uh, the virus throughout your cities without uh, 
getting overtaken, but uh, yeah. Yeah, it is actually very similar to pandemic, especially the first game. Like the first game is basically pandemic. Like yeah, and you're always wanting like throughout the throughout the campaign, you were still like had the goals of um, curing and eradicating diseases across across the globe. Right. Yeah. Always. And so with legacy games, you always think about like what's how do you make the game your own? What's customizable about it? So what were some of the things that we we saw with pandemic that makes that made it able for us to customize it. How did the game change throughout? What were some some things? So, for example, the one thing that I can point out is that you're able to name the characters that you play. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, and then you're also able to like um, you're able to give them abilities, or I guess what they what the game called them um, relationships. Like you went uh, as as you played through you at the end of every game or games every other so often, I guess at the end of a game you got kind of like awarded some points based on like how you did or like whether or not I, now I might be getting the games mixed up um, based on how many cards or cities you've um, I forget how you got the points in in season one. Yeah, I think you got two at the end of the game regardless. Um, yeah, you got to spend about four points. Yeah. Total. And you could either whatever give your player a character uh a superpower mm-hmm. or you could uh give a disease a handicap. That's right. Yeah, the the handicaps and I I really liked giving the players like the the characters like some sort of like relationship or some sort of like like ability that they were able to do better and just kind of build you can like buff up a couple people or something like that. Those are really cool things that you could be able to do. Yeah. I think the relationships in the first season was a really cool mechanism because you got to actually tie some of the characters together. So you got those nice combos where it's mm-hmm. like, well, you know, I want to use this character because they've got some great bonuses. Um, but another new character popped up later on, but I'm already tied to Ryan. So, and Ryan's guy that he likes to use is kind of a base one. So it, it really, really informed your choices for later on mm-hmm. but I, I thought that was a really cool element yeah it was the map was pretty much the map though right like there mm-hmm. wasn't a whole lot like we could we could kind of pick where we would build um our i can't what's the what's the word for it the, our medical centers right yeah labs. yeah and but the uh, roads the blockades yeah. yeah the blockades changed it dramatically yes but that kind of came which, uh, later. Which which disease ended up being uh, sort of the nasty one? There was uh, the the coda through. I think um, you would have you know the base game, and then in future games there would be one disease that would be the coda. And so for us, you know, I think it was what was it black? It, it was the black one. Yeah. yeah. It was black. Okay, so black was was our disease that was uh, uh, the more difficult one to deal with going forward. Uh, compare they, comparing that to say Lane's game, you had a different color, right? Blue. For your, for your... Blue. Really good story about that one. Quickly. <laughs> so we had the six year old playing with us, and we let her name all the diseases up front. So that was part of the customized. And uh, she named Blue the skin bubbles disease. And then she went on like this little rant about how 
the skin bubbles would make your skin see-through. And this is before it got revealed. And then all of a sudden, the zombies happen, and that's what it is, like see-through people, transparent. And it's like, what the heck? Is she got some kind of crazy power? Scary, but yeah. So Blue. Blue is the answer. So I guess that's, when we talk about how the game changes, that's kind of the first real big change, right? This The whole story is kind of tracking the progression of this CODA disease, which is going to be different, right? Ours was black, so it was centered mostly around the Middle East, North Africa. Lane's was blue, so you, that would have been like North America, Europe? Yeah, our, uh, our city zero was Madrid. Yeah, Madrid was the epicenter for us. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the, the one of the big twists that happens pretty early on in the game is that the virus is mutating and making people's skin fade and they're called the faded, but it's really zombies. So what did you guys think when that twist came up? Blew my mind. <laughs> I think it was great change is a great change from the uh the original cube uh mechanism with the virus is spreading because the faded I, they just seem more menacing and with how those little little creatures ended up just spreading all over a region it it made those games like pandemic already is a little bit of a tense game if you're not doing so well it made some of those games even a little bit more tense seeing that those those uh spread and not really being able to do anything about it. Because unlike yeah. the cubes, you can't really clean those up. So and, it, I, it, and was and there there was a now I might be getting the two me. Is this a game where you can get could you get injured in season one? Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You could get injured if you're like left behind or if you if you still in. Yeah, if you got um yeah, you could get scarred when you're left in left in a city with a faded figure or you and you and you couldn't get out it by the time that was your but Henry was your turn. Did and when, when you really build up a character too, and like Ryan had like all his bonuses on there, once you get those scars, those overlap on your bonuses as mm-hmm. well. Right. So yeah, that was yeah, it's a little bit frightening. And, and, and we were we were time. scared. We were very scared of of taking scars because yeah, because eventually, like if you took like enough scars, you could probably you you could die. Like your character could get eliminated. Yes, from from third one and done. And so yeah, I, I think our play cautious. group is yeah, our, our play group is really cautious. I don't think we actually cautious. had anybody die, did we? No, we didn't have anybody no. die. We didn't have anyone die either. But the most dramatic twist in the game was uh when we had the traitor revealed. Oh. <laughs> oh boy. That sent shockwaves through the household. Mama Bear <laughs> lost her character that she had been playing since March and it's September and she was not happy. <laughs> That's right. Who was it on ours? That was, that was, um, was that you? I think it was me. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm looking it through the you. notes. I'm trying to look through the notes here. Yeah, it was, it was, it was me. Yeah. Usually it would be camp <laughs> from our experience playing with, with Ian and <laughs> traders yeah. always Kim, but since she wasn't playing, it was Ryan. <laughs> Yes, I'm just kind of looking at our timeline. So 
in January, January is a pretty much straight up, yeah. um, straight up game. And at the end, you kind of learn that there's a one virus that mutates and can't be cured. And so that's kind of how it starts. It isn't until April, I guess, that they turn into zombies. Um, and then in June, that's where the military, me and June is where the military starts to come in, if I remember correctly. Because the military starts playing a bigger presence yeah. with everything. Yeah, they really just creeped in all these different mechanisms as you went through and just changed the game month to month as you went through. And yeah, the military was uh, pretty useful for us, I think. Yeah, and, so, and sometimes they would sneak in objectives like you have to go find you have to go find somebody to help you. Like mm -hmm. um, it was the, it was the vi virologist. We had to go help them, and it's like, oh, if we find if we and we like drove us like if we find them, that's going to help us. We're going to finally be able to cure Coda. And, and then it doesn't. <laughs> but they, yeah. Give yeah, us, they give you some pieces. There was a lot of mini games. I, I think there's probably like a good five different mini games throughout there for those yeah. those searching mechanisms. Right. Yeah. Season one really relied on that quite a bit. And I think it worked fairly well because it kind of gave a little bit of a different action for the characters to focus on. Can yeah. I interject? Des describe to me what one of these mini games would encompass. So one of the things we should mention about pandemic is that the goal isn't just to cure the diseases every mm -hmm. game you get different goals as well and yeah. you have to complete a certain number of them depending on the month yeah and so for example some of the goals are to build as many labs around the world as you can or once the military comes in you have to build military yeah. bases around the world and then there's also one where it's searching you have to search mm -hmm. cities and try to find people okay and how did, guys, how did that work exactly? I can't remember exactly how the but searches e worked. Each one was a little bit different. Yeah. So for the virologist, you did a search action if you're in a faded city with a research station. Um, cool. And yeah, I'm trying to. Because we cards, didn't we? Yeah, search actions yeah. required certain card yeah. colors or number of card yeah. combinations. You advance one space on the search for each uh, right. card you discard matching the color of the city. So I'm getting the sense there's yeah. like an overall arc, but then there's an episodic arc from month to month. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. talking to Davio, that's so, comes back to, remember Ian us talking about that whole script writing idea. Uh, there's plot points. Right. So, yeah, cool. This is so cool. And Brett, I think you were kind of our searcher, weren't you? Because you were usually the researcher, and so you had most of the cards, if I remember right. Mm, not the researcher. I was the radio operator. So my okay. job was usually to provide cards to other people. Yeah. Um, usually, Ian, I think you were the, the one who I too, uh, because I think you could cure diseases. Um, I was a scientist, uh, I think, right? More easily, yeah, than, than, than the rest of us. It took you one less card or something to, to complete uh, the research. Right. Uh, but I think I might have had a power. Uh, at some point given to me at the end of one of the games that uh, maybe gave me or or maybe it was just because I had cards uh, in hand a lot of the time that I could be using. And if you couldn't use them for uh, your purposes, then I could use them for uh, search app. Right. Mm -hmm. I wasn't using the cards to travel the world like Ryan who was the person who was putting out fires for us. Yep, that was, that was my role, was to kind of go and 
kind yeah, of like my power uh, my powers were like i could like take cubes from like adjacent cities and i could move around faster and i think a lot of the time in season one we actually switched roles more often than we generally do except for brett <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, i'm i'm looking because i i recorded who everything was in most of the month other than december and right, uh, so. yeah we each played probably three different roles a piece throughout the game as we kind of switched obviously I think we started with pretty similar yeah roles yeah when I was ryan got knocked out once he his character was the betrayed trade. us yeah. yeah that's still <laughs> still tender uh, yeah. but but uh didn't he then take over the daughter i believe so i don't yeah, know if that was part yeah, of the narrative i was i was the, made... the colonel i think i was the, i played as the colonel he was revealed as the traitor and then i kind of end up taking like I was like his granddaughter. I ended up being like his granddaughter or daughter or something like that. Yeah, because of the family relations we put on it. Yes. yes. So that, yes. that's where that family relations tied in. So we already had a built-in narrative that we added yeah. in. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So cool. When we played, being radically different than you guys is, we played ten three-player games, one two-player game, five four-player games. Oh, okay. And I oh, find wow. that changes the dynamic quite a bit. We also had, so we kind of, there was the core of, a, for, of me and my wife and then our daughter, but the other person, we had a neighbor play, a neighbor's daughter play the one time. We had our brother and sister-in-law play, um, father-in-law play, and we all kind of changed. So we changed groups. However, I usually stayed the, uh, what was my guy called? The operations expert for most of the time. And until she was the trader, my wife was the quarantine specialist. Worked pretty good. We stayed away from all those army people. Like we didn't play with the colonel, the generalist, or the immunologist at all. Oh wow! But we we intertwined pretty much everybody else. Interesting. I found that there was a lot of discussion uh, in season one, at least, compared to season two, before we would begin a game. We, we 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 did quite a bit of time pre-setup discussing our game plan and saying, well, this character I think is going to be helpful for what our objectives are, what we discovered we had problems with in the last see uh, the last month. Uh, it was the second attempt on the same month. Um, what could we do better this time so that we don't fail? Where should um, we sit? It was quite a bit of discussion. Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, even that, where we sat. Where should we sit? Yeah, because the, the player order mattered. Yeah, yeah. Brett has to sit what? beside Ryan or Ian because because he because he had the feet us yeah. the key fed us the cards. I was was it a combo nature thing that you needed? It, to yeah. Do? It was, yeah, it was those yeah. relationships yeah. that they okay. had. Yeah, yeah. What was your guys's win loss record? Oh, that's we, a good question. We we cruised at the start. We won our first three, and then April, uh, I don't know, went off the rails. We lost two in a row. Then we won the next three, then uh, lost one, won one, and then we went on our worst losing streak, three in a row, and then we won out after that. So, but um, we never we, had, we never had to yeah. open up the box where you lose. Was it four in a row? Yeah, the yeah, the box came. Yeah, we ended up uh, eleven and five, and we That's never we lost two in a row in June. That was the only time we lost two in a row. Pretty good. Uh, back, back to when Brett was saying, we, we actually had, did, this game did have a lot of conversation pieces too, because especially when at like, also at the end of games, 
when we were trying to oh. allocate the points and like what, what stickers were we going to put on and which one of you guys was the six-year-old that I think we all were up. at one point. Oh. <laughs> well, I had an actual six-year-old, okay. An actual six-year-old who I was, we were appeasing at some points. <laughs> there are certainly times when uh, there were turns, I think, where we we were like, okay, so let's plan this out because uh, I know you want to do what you want to do, but if that fails, we're going to lose the month. So we need to think about that. And we, so we would usually have like some some pretty long discussions about what we were going to be doing for like the next three turns before those turns would happen uh, because in this game it can be very tense and and a bad a bad epidemic at the wrong time could really cost you yeah sorry about that guys ryan well, was mr oh yeah Epi ryan was our <laughs> epidemic expert every time it was his turn it was an epidemic yeah there was there was a good probability that i was getting the epidemic yeah that was uncanny yeah, as a as a cautious group, I think we definitely hedge hedge some games where we knew it's like, okay, this time we don't have a great chance, so we kind of set ourselves up for the next half of the month or the next month. Um, so there were a couple games there where you know we could have taken a shot and been a little reckless, but I, I think that we really we really played it cautious a lot of the time. Yeah, we were playing the long game sometimes. Um, yeah. And I, I think we did hit one game that was ridiculously short where we just hit everything wrong. And I, <laughs> I think that's that's something you'll run into pandemic every once in a while where just nothing goes your way. You always hit yeah. the... Cascade. Yeah. 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 Yep. It's the deck is your enemy, you know, more than it's your friend. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah there, there's lots of probability discussions about, yeah. okay, what's, what's come up? <laughs> What hasn't come up? Okay, make sure you get over there because that one's come. That one's definitely coming up. Yeah, yeah. I, I I started calling my daughter Skynet because of this game. She became board game self aware in the month of March, <laughs> and she was determined to have her will inflicted upon the rest of the players at the table from then on forth. And uh, she had an aggressive style, but yet a cautious style. She was okay to sacrifice her dad or her mom or her aunt or uncle or whoever the heck else, as long as she didn't take the scar. <laughs> yep. That sounds right. And what, and so what I, going back to the searches for a bit, I think the searches kind of drove the story, right? So once you actually mm -hmm. found somebody or something, they'd kind of open up the next part of the story. And we should say that physically the game had, I guess, not really packages, but what would happen is when you opened a package, it gave you a list of different cards and things to, um, to reveal. And so it has all these little punch boards that are labeled with letters and numbers. And so it says like open card O, P and H, and then you just rip them off. And then it kind of reveals the next components and, and rules for the next part. Or stickers to put on the board. Or, or stickers, yeah. There's lots of stickers in this game. Do you guys want to know my next story about what was different about my game than your game right now? Sure. It's all about that. Okay. My game we bought was counterfeit. 
And oh, that's yes. right. I remember this. There, there was there was a couple rules at the start that we placed stickers for that didn't make any sense. And it was like right in the setup. And I'm like, I don't get it. I'm lost. But we, we kept playing and I figured it would end up making sense. And then in uh, May is when it was just like, this makes no sense. And I legitimately emailed Z-Man Games and said, hey, I'm confused here. This doesn't make any sense. And I looked up and I researched this whole black market counterfeit board game thing that's going on. And it's a legit thing. And I had a counterfeit one. And so like I gave the address of the place and uh, I took a picture of my receipt for them and everything. And they, but Z-Man was awesome. They explained to me without wrecking anything, what went wrong and what to ignore for a couple months. And uh, yeah, and that was, now that I have Pandemic Legacy season two verified real copy, um, the outside of the box, I can tell a difference. Like there's a, a little bit of a finish difference that I found out is an actual thing. And uh, my cards are much thicker and cheaper card stock than a legit copy, but that's it. And some, there was a couple stickers, but basically they were rules that were, I got too soon and uh, possible. There was a package of scars that we didn't get to pick from. So that Seems was like another a complicated game to counterfeit, but yeah, that, that, that's what that's what I was thinking. Like, if you were to counterfeit a game, why would you choose like something like this? So, but, but I guess it was the hotness. It, it exactly. was what, every, it's, what it's everybody was talking it. about. Yeah, there's lots of them out there. Yeah, there is a lot of them out there. It's if you want to look it up, it's called third shifting, and it just doesn't happen with board games. There's a lot of things, mm-hmm. and it's forced board game makers to add on cost by not having single factory production runs. So they split up where the things are made and then assembled at a a third location, obviously jacking up the price a bit. Mm, And yeah, crazy. but that's what pandemic legacy brought to my life. (laughs) There you go. Easy. So some of the big story moments, I think, obviously we said when they turn into zombies in April, and we had mentioned the trader. So in September, what you find out is you come across the paranoid soldier. And oh, he right. and he gives you a decryption key that helps you discover the military plot that CODA is actually an engineered virus used to send the world into chaos so that the military will take over. And we found out that our colonel which we named Colonel N. Oscopy was a, was a traitor. And so he was, he was basically, we killed him off. Um, yeah. So that was kind of a big one. But what I really found cool about this twist was because for a number of months before that, our goal was to build military, permanent military bases around the world. And so we were establishing this massive worldwide network and now once we found out the military, we were against the military. Now we had to start sabotaging our own work, right? We had to go back and undo everything that we did. Mm. I, what did you I guys really, think of that? 
No, I thought it was a great, uh, I thought it was a great narrative um, um, twist to the game. Uh, kind of, kind of almost hits, hit, like kind of try to hit, trying trying to hit you in the feels a little bit. Like you're actually like, oh man, like what we were doing so good. And now this entity that we were working for, they're the evil ones. And considering that we actually did a pretty good job, I think compared to a lot of people building military bases, that was really a, a, a kick too like <laughs> that was it's it's something that we had uh, poured like your limited resources in on on upgrades and that and we had poured that in a little bit so um yeah that was definitely made the rest of the game a little bit harder yeah okay so and i really liked those last few months where uh in addition to sort of making sure the virus didn't get out of control we also had those other objectives of trying to um, stop the military expansion and to, to to try and hinder their their plans. Meanwhile, we still didn't even know, I guess, all of their plans, and so having to still uncover things uh, through those last months and finally, uh, you know, determining where the main stockhold was. Um, of this virus and, and putting a stop to their plans. I really enjoyed those last couple of months when, uh, even though I don't think uh, we necessarily were set up for it, I think we, we no. did pretty well considering. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think they really ended on a good note. Um, Cause we, then we started like in October, we started being able to develop the vaccine. And then we had that weird goal, right? Where we promised the Canadian government to send them a bunch of vaccines and then we don't <laughs> deliver on that, <laughs> which I thought was odd, but now it makes more sense. Well, it's better than the problem that they've got with the, uh, uh, when Ryan was in charge of the U S distribution of the vaccine <laughs> and the vaccines going to places that uh, didn't need it. And uh, it was just a whole problem with Ryan. Yeah. It's, 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 yeah, it's me. me. I, I'm I'm not a logistics guy like at all. So like, it, it, I just become Oprah. Like you get a vaccine and you get a vaccine, and I think everybody gets vaccines. But yeah, we had the vaccine, so that was good. And we could build vaccine centers. And once we started being able to do that, it felt like we were starting to get things under control. And then we got to December, and so oh, December. So when we got to December. Uh, we learned that there's a stockpile of virus in Atlanta itself. Was it was I think it was Atlanta, no matter what. Was yours Atlanta, Lean? Yes. Yeah. 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 Which is our main starting place, right? Exactly. Yeah. Right. And so what we had to do was to end the game, we had to find the stockpile, and we had to immunize every city that had the faded the zombies in it. Which I thought was an awesome conclusion. I thought that was a great purpose for a last game because it felt cinematic mm -hmm. and then we ended it with a very cinematic moment <laughs> terminator 2 style yes yeah. so, so the one thing is you can you have the option if you need to to drop a nuclear bomb on a city which will wipe out everything in that city and uh, basically make it a little bit easier to control. But I mean, you're dropping a nuke on a city. This episode is proudly supported by the amazing team at Breakout Escape and Board Game Lounge. For 
right here in Saskatoon. Using industry-leading technology, breakout escapes, escape rooms are all 100% uniquely designed by the team, ensuring their patrons have maximum fun while staying safe. As well, they are fully licensed board game lounge with over 400 titles to select from to ensure fun for every gamer new and experienced. Be sure to check them out at BreakoutSask.com. At Breakout Escapes and Game Lounge, they believe that life is more fun when you play games. And I won't we lie. Made, we, we, we made that decision. <laughs> we did make that decision. <laughs> did not. <laughs> you did not. Lane did won not. the game honorably. We did not. <laughs> we didn't. We honestly didn't have to. We on December we had unbelievable card luck, like really quick card luck. To and so we were cruising through December pretty pretty quickly especially compared to november that we did win first time through but it was like skin of our teeth last card in the deck kind of deal yeah and i think we didn't have a lot of resources at that time there's those cards that you get if you lose a game uh you got to add two extra resources into the deck which made epidemics happen less frequently um, and I think at that point we were probably winning fairly regularly. And so our, our, uh, extra cards were pretty low coming into the first of December. Right. Yeah. We were at zero for funding for December. Yeah. I think we kind of set up December to lose. I think we actually set up to lose the first one if i remember correctly and kind of go all yeah, in on the we made we made that decision one. quite early yeah but you didn't lose right you won the first go through didn't you no we no it took I, us two go throughs for december yeah 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 just just something happened there where we just like okay i don't i think we should just play the long game we want to make sure that we do win the game we need to uh, have some success in the second half of December. So we make sure, I think we, yeah, we set yeah. some things up. You get that bad luck right off the start and it's just like, it's not going to happen. And you might as well position yourself for later success if you know you got two shots. So, yeah. So like building vaccine centers or something mm-hmm. yeah. that would allow us to um, complete the second half of the month, knowing that we weren't going to make it through the first um, made it easier, I think for the, for us to win in the second but we still had to drop that nuclear bomb. Yep, we did. And uh, we had the baby interrupt in December. And so the wife had to take off. We chose, me and the daughter, to uh, bring in, well, we had the neighbor already there. And it's like, okay, you're going to take over for, for Mama Bear while she goes and deals with Squawky Bear. And uh, so we, we finished our four-player game without her, and then we won without her. That's her biggest pandemic regret. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, was, it was okay with Restless. Well, she was the traitor anyway. Yeah, totally. And so we ended the game, because so when you end the game, you actually score. There's a whole scoring system, and you get a final score at the end of all of your games. And we got our category was that we averted disaster and the Zodiac group, the military group faced trial and were convicted, which I think was maybe the second best category. I think, yeah, uh, yeah 
Yeah, just barely made the second best. They had five tiers in this one. Seven fifty nine for us. So same disaster averted. But we needed eight oh one to get legendary status. Right. And yeah, I that, think it was uh, interesting. They don't tell you that there will be a scoring system at the end of the game. That was awesome. Uh, you don't know uh, playing season one that uh, that there are going to be different outcomes based on a score or what that score will even uh, look like, what counts towards um, points and what doesn't. Yeah. So some of the decisions that we made, maybe being a little bit cautious, uh, I think cost us some some points because it was sort of uh, winning in the first half of the month or something was worth more than winning in the second half and those kinds of things. Which also kind of led us into like cost points, and we're so we're going to probably transition to season two soon because that's an interesting point because now we we knew that there was this scoring system in season one. And so we kind of maybe thought in the back of our heads that there was going to also be a scoring system in season two. And yeah. so that I know, and I know in season two, that kind of did affect some of our decisions. Like if we're trying to, if we're trying to get a good score. So, so I thought before that we was, go to season yeah. two, does anyone have any final thoughts on season one? Anyone want to? Um, I, I liked. Oh yeah, sorry, sorry. No, I because this this was uh, season one was my first um, legacy game. Like I I um, didn't play Risk Legacy, and so this was my first um, go at the legacy system. And I thought this was a fantastic um, gaming experience. Like it was, it, it was nothing like I had ever done before in 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 in, in gaming. And it's like we're permanently altering the game every single every single time and it, it was it was really really cool to be able to do that for the very first time at least for at least for me exact same experience for me that was my first time like that um got it on a whim but probably my more so bigger takeaway was that this is the game that took my six-year-old through her seventh birthday and took her from being kind of a what is this thing that dad's doing to being able to play lots of games. Now we're, we're playing clank legacy right now. It's her first deck builder, but it's a legacy and she's got the feel for it and the itch to want to play. So that's what it did for us. Okay. Well, let's move into two. So with pandemic legacy two, um, Again, we had the same group of four for Pandemic 2. And Lane, where are you at with this one? Have you played the whole wing thing through? No, we're in June. Okay, so are we going to screw things up for you? Do we need Heck to? No, no. <laughs> All right, so here we go. So here's your spoiler warning for Pandemic Legacy Season 2. I'll plug my ears at appropriate times. Oh, one thing I do want to mention is, well, sorry, with season one, I think we got to mention some of the names, some of our character names. All right. So we had, for example, our scientist was Brittany Spores. <laughs> our medic was Ben Dayed. Or, well, I'll let you guys figure that out. <laughs> Pretty much they were all puns. But I think my favorite was the quarantine specialist. It was don't Donna leave man. Donna leave man. I, I like I like Bill Dare for the ops expert. Bill Dare, yeah, he was good too. 
we just had kind of names that the daughter made up and <laughs> they're not going to be really funny. They're just, yeah, Mackenzie. And, uh, typical names you would find on most of the Barbie dolls at Walmart. There you go. Dad was fuzzy. That was about as uh, funny as it got. Now there's a shift for season two. I yes. won't spoil that quite yet. Okay. So here we go. So season two. So season two is set 80 years after season one. So it's set in the future. Anyone else? Anyone want to sum this one up? I, I like, so season two um, has a pandemic feel to it, but it plays quite a bit like the thematic thing is quite a bit different than um, traditional pandemic and pandemic legacy season one. Cause in this one um, we're worried about um, supplying places around the globe with um, what is it? Supp- it was just, just supplies. Like supplies, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and what the, but the, uh, what the, the cards would do is they would take supplies out of the cities, like symbolizing that the cities were using them up. And then if all of a sudden, if a city used it all up, then that's when your epidemics were uh, um, occurring. So you had to spend time keeping places stockpiled. It was kind of like reverse pandemic. You're adding cubes onto the board. Yeah. And that there, the, the, the world, as you know, it is very small to begin with. Yeah, it's basically the Atlantic coastline. That's all you had. And the havens. And the havens. Yeah. So you start out in this game with, was it three havens? You had three havens, which are in the ocean itself. And they're kind of the safe spots. And then you have to travel to the coastlines to supply them. And so what you have to do as as well as supply the cities, you actually have to spread out and learn more about the world, right? You have to travel further inland and find your other cities. So that's, kind of, yeah, that's, yeah. that was a really neat twist, I think. Yeah, yeah. this one, it kind of, because we thought we knew pandemic so well, we had a hard time with the prologue. So we played the prologue three times. <laughs> and it was because we had no teamwork and nobody listening to anybody else to, to figure this new mechanism out how they changed it up right yeah so, we have there's only so many supply quote-unquote cubes that you have to place out onto the board at the beginning of the game and then and then part of your initial setup is to take away cubes yeah that you that, that you that you placed out there and so sometimes what we ran into is that we didn't cover all our bases or we had a bad card draw and then we would actually like set set off the set off the epidemics um, before we even start the game. Before we even started the game sometimes. Yeah. And we got to a point, because there's only so many cubes you can put out on the board, we got to a point where we would basically have to talk about being okay with sacrificing cities. Mm-hmm. And Brett was kind of the, the ringleader there. Brett would be like, we got to let these cities go. Yeah. We was just, the there, was, there was too much on the board. Um, and we'll, we'll, we'll come to this and uh, I those of you who are avid listeners of the podcast will will know. Uh, Ian has talked about it before, but we uh, made an error uh, during our game that caused us to be severely handicapped with the number of supply cubes uh, that we had to. 
And uh, so in some of those circumstances where we were pragmatic and said, well, we just have to give up because they're so hard to get to. Um, we have too much ground to cover with the amount of cubes we have to start the game. Because every month, that was the, the thing is that you maybe started with 30 cubes, um, but in the next month, maybe it was 28 or 26. Um, and eventually you've got, you know, 25 cities on the board, uh, but you only start the game with 15, 16 cubes or whatever it was. And so some of those cities were completely exposed uh, right from the get-go. And, and as Ryan said, it caused us to actually lose games before uh, we even had the second turn, I think. Yeah, yeah we, we had a tough stretch in the middle because of that. So, yeah, uh, I think more- moving on to Season 0 when we start that, we are rereading every single rule <laughs> yes. each L- one of us because that literacy just, is important folks oh <laughs> it it devastated us in the middle of this game we and could not it, figure it was, out what was going why we were playing so badly like we we're so practiced at pandemic we understand it we understand the principles behind it we played really efficiently and why is season two so much harder than season one <laughs> it just yeah, yeah. I can't read. Literacy. We, we did. We did win one of those games handicapped. That's yeah, true. we Which, did win. I'd have to say it's pretty impressive considering how badly we were hurt due to that. So, yeah, starting the game with fifteen fewer supply cubes uh, definitely uh, mm-hmm. uh, did not help us. Yeah. So one of the so we kind of talked about how the the pandemic won the story beats usually happen with the searches. Once you'd find somebody and you discover more about the overall story of what's happening with this one, the progression has to do with how much of the world you discover. And do you guys remember the name for like the big, when you discover a large continent, sorry, reconning. Yeah. You'd recon, you do the recon missions. And if you do that successfully, I think you have to, be able to use up a certain number of cards of a certain colors, which yeah. was actually pretty tough. There was a supply center requirement in the city that you yeah. did the recon from, and you had to have it was something like five unique cards. Uh, cities unique cards. Yeah. Some, sometimes it was five, well, it sometimes it was four. Uh, well, that's the thing that got us, eh? And was and, we were actually were like, trying trying to finish a mission that was impossible based with the cards we had. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes you couldn't do it because we didn't we didn't think about that properly at the start of the round. But we figured it out by the end. Oh, well, that would have been impossible. Why did we even try that? I guess we should say that instead of trying to cure viruses in this one, it's building a supply center. Right, you're using your cards to yeah. build a supply center and getting instead of getting a cure. But these will open up like you you would actually put whole big stickers on the map, which would open up new continents. So you'd have, oh, suddenly now South America is on the board when it wasn't before. You just have a sliver of a coastline. And so that, see, the game would progress by how much more of the world you get to see. And not only that, but just because it was on the map didn't mean it was on the grid. And so there was two different elements there. There was, uh, yes, the sticker is now on the board showing four more cities, um, but you actually had to physically draw lines um, in permanent marker, uh, showing that the cities were actually connected to the grid. And right. that was something that required supply cubes to do. Um, you had to be in a city, 
uh, that could connect to another city, but with a straight line. Um, and then you would perform that action to add the city to the grid. And then those cards would then come into the game, both as potential um, places where the virus could hit, but also as places uh, where you could use those city cards then, as Lane said, uh, to do recon missions and those kinds of things. And also uh, searching missions, again, were, were different in this game, but also very valuable. Yeah, the, this one, the, 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 you could actually, um, those new cities that kind of open and you find they're, they're, they're actual cards. Um, there were scratchable portions that you oh, could yeah. do a search. You could do a search in those cities, and some of them were if they were close by, close by sea. You could do a search by sea or a search by land, and they would scratch open, and you can find like new companions. You can find um, abilities or or some, something along, along those lines to, to kind of help you along. So that that was actually really kind of cool too. Yeah, I like that idea. That's how we found that haven that we never visited. Yes. Right. <laughs> Yeah, so some of the, if we talk about some of the main story points, um, I think, oh, we should also mention that the characters kind of work the same way, right? You can have the abilities, uh, the scarring was a little different. So if you got scarred, you would actually scratch off a little scratch off box. Mm -hmm. And there was like eight or something on each card. But at any point, you could get killed, right? So it could be the second one that you scratch off or the eighth one that you scratch off. But at some point, it could just randomly kill your character. And so you got to be really careful about that. So I don't think any of ours got killed no. throughout the game, no. but we did get scarred. Yeah, we did. Not so as many, yeah. though. I think very few. Yeah. Yeah, again, we, we, did a, we did a very cautious approach again to try not to take any, like scratch off any of those um, scars and anything like that. Because we generally were already spending our points on acquiring more abilities. And so we were very worried that we'd spend all these points on building up a character only to lose them. Right. Right. Like my my character had, I think I had like four like super abilities on him. And we're like, we can't let Ryan's character, we can't, we can't let uh what was that? Mitch Forkin could couldn't die <laughs> yeah because you were the farmer i was the farmer i like mine yeah. the instructor how we do it yeah how we do it had five abilities and and no scars at the end and yeah, i, I think Howie. it ended up being me and brett that uh took the bullet for you guys mm -hmm. as you sat in the background and we we both took uh one scar piece and uh yeah otherwise stayed pretty clean the game so it was, it was a good team effort my uh, character is the skipper max power aka <laughs> mr lover and his home is the ss minnow <laughs> oh right because we got to name places on the board yes we did we got to name the havens yeah the havens great water world atlantis and titanica very nice theme for the first three. So, and as we continued on, there was a couple more. Yeah. And so we didn't all start, our home cities were different because we started at different havens. Yeah. Uh, yes. That's right. I think the, uh, the ability to sort of get uh, to a different area right off the bat to, to get started with the mission. Um, and sometimes maybe you were not in the place where you wanted to be at, at the start because 
maybe you wanted to be at a different haven where you were closer to the action or uh, depending on how the setup went, uh, the first set of cards that came out could have taken away supply cubes in an area that you weren't next to. It's very set starting points on this one, but you were able to jump from the havens pretty right. easily. So that, that was a nice move later on. But as the map opened up, you were still in that, uh, that Atlantic area. So traveling way over to the, the unknown reaches of the world was a little bit more difficult. Right, especially when the idea is that there's no planes. So you can travel mm -hmm. through ship, but you can't just fly places yeah. necessarily. It's harder to get to places. And then one of the big story beats, I think was in April, we found out about the Hollow Men. Right. So, so the Hollow Men were were kind of this tr these tribes of people that were basically messing you up, right? And so they'd you were trying to avoid the Hollow Men as much as you could. Yeah, their goal it seemed was to while while we were building supply centers, their goal seemed to be to uh, dismantle the infrastructure that we were trying to build. And uh, and what was it? Infest or plague? places too yes yeah and then um we found the galapagos or galapagia however we said that in the pacific which was our lot the lost haven that we found in late april and that was the one that we didn't read because that gave us the bonus of the cubes and so in may we got absolutely destroyed i think we got eight outbreaks in like the first couple of turns, it was awful. And when did we actually find out what we did? And June. that's, and Ian, just, I guess, to go back to uh, before all of that, I guess one of the key things about um, the end game for, for, for each round was the, the addition and subtraction of population. Mm -hmm. uh, that right. was something that was different, I think, uh, for this game was that cities rising and falling based on uh, the amount of supply cubes that you had in there. If they had a supply station, that they would automatically grow at the end of the game. Um, but if a city fell completely, it cost more points to get them back onto the map. Um, so it was it was always that 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 question of do we want more cities on the map? Do we let them fall? Do we let them stay fallen? Uh, because there was, again, we had supply issues and with too many cities on the board, it kind of made sense for us to keep them at zero sometimes if they were difficult to, to reach. But it also right. meant that they were sort of, because uh, moving into right. and out of a fallen city was more difficult and right. uh, there was restrictions on what you could do Baylation um, of the city. And then that's where I also mentioned that we kind of had it in the back of our mind that this was probably the way we were going to score was based on like maybe like the level of our cities mm -hmm. at the end of the game. How many fallens did we have? How many above us? Because the sticker sheet was kind of leveled based on there were kind of different color codes of like the high numbers were blues and there were some like browns and there was red, the red fallens. Yeah. One, one of the things I really enjoyed about season two more was that sort of uh, like it was more of a living world it, like not only are you exploring it and you're opening up all these different areas but 
yeah, that management to the cities and growing them and knowing which ones it's like, ah, oh, we're just going to leave San Francisco because it's hard to get to. And I think everyone that played, you had different roads, you had different naval uh, paths and everything. So I, just, the pure, pure variation on the boards, I imagine, as people played this game, was probably way more, way more drastic than what you saw in season one. Yeah, that's for sure. And the other thing being able to, um, I guess, fix the cities by there were certain cards yeah. or certain bonuses that you could have where you could actually take city cards out of the virus deck um right or to to inoculate them to to take them out of the deck you there were times where we were, we were trying to keep track of them okay there's there's only one card in this whole you know stack of 80 cards that is possibly going to be this city because we've taken out the other two um from that city and, and so it can't come up and i think atlanta was one of those cities that we had that um we knew it was just safe we never had to put supply cubes there um and that was a, an interesting thing to try and keep track of that once we sort of had that in mind um that was the that was our thought that um when we didn't have those extra 15 supply cubes that was going to be our only way of surviving yeah. was trying to get some cities that just we knew couldn't be hurt yeah, and then we also changed our game plans too, because after you hit like an epidemic or something like that, um, we knew that certain cities that had supply cubes were never going to come up in that deck. So we could take cubes from those cities and go spread them out somewhere else. Right, and that's something we sort of came, that was a strategy that we came to later. Yeah. Um, like Mid-game. Um, that's really helped us out, as Ryan said, that, that having some cities that we knew weren't going to come back into the game or very unlikely we're going to come back into the game. Um, we could pull the supply cubes off of there because there just wasn't any in reserve. Yeah, it was definitely a different way of trying to strategize than we were used to. So one thing that I thought for the story is we're getting into, into the second half here and Norm, when we were talking to to Rob Davio uh, last last time, mm -hmm. he had mentioned that there was something, there was a connection, right, between one and two that you had to pay attention to the storyline. Yeah. And so in July, I think we found out that destroying the lab at the end of season one and destroying that thing of viruses actually released the virus, and that we found out that we caused <laughs> the virus that happens in season two. Uh, 12 which monkeys is, which is a, yeah which is a pretty cool reveal and then uh we find a another big secret in october lane earmuffs <laughs> that we playing are actually the faded zombies from game one <gasps> so we discovered that little that's a trip gem as well and nice. the, the hollow men are trying to clean the earth of of these faded yeah so yeah that's yeah, a they're essentially I, I, taking over for us from last game yeah that's a nice perspective shift it is yeah, it i i cool. love that i love mm -hmm. that part <laughs> and then at the end of the game they also brought in a couple other aspects the radio towers which i thought were pretty cool because you if you went to a radio tower you could do certain mm -hmm. things and call people around the world we had the labs that we had to discover and 
Matt, were you, did you say we, there was two that we never even bothered discovering? There was one lab we did not discover. Again, read, read the rules, read the cards <laughs> as you're playing the game. <laughs> They're there for a reason. But I, I, I think because we tend to play these, these games where you spread out over a year, January through December, and we actually play them like that yeah. when we've played these, these pandemic games. So there's been a long break sometimes between games. And jumping back into it, you forget some of these narrative developments from last time or some of the plans you had last from last time. And uh, we had some coordinates for one of the labs, uh, which was on one of the cards as I opened the box again here, just kind of looking at it. And uh, we found it early in the game and never actually searched for it. And the, the character that is revealed by going for that would have helped us so much. <laughs> so, yeah, that was the second big thing that dinged us in this game by not reading the rules is 15 less cubes and one less great character with a, a bonus to the lab. So, um, and, and again, reflected in our end game score yeah. not having that extra bonus as well so and, then and i you... think the uh when, when you say that we we did we did not discover one lab it was i think right until the very last month or the second last month that we discovered our, um and then we had to accomplish a goal that required us to add a city to the board that we hadn't added to the board yet and we also had to search yes, for the lab that was there. Yep. Yeah. And then we had to um, get there as Make well. So it made it really tricky for us <laughs> in, the, in the month of December because we hadn't added that one important city uh, and we hadn't found the, uh, the lab there. But the lab that we did discover fairly early was really helpful. Did, what was that one, mm -hmm. Matt? Uh, would have been the Topaz or Pearl? Pearl, Topaz is the one in Wellington. Yeah. And uh, Pearl would have been the first one, I think. Yeah. It gave no, us the no, really Pearl was at Lake Bunker. important power. I think it allowed us to uh, maybe, maybe. something with the epidemics. Jade, remove, what was the a power maximum, there? remove a maximum of one supply cube during step two of each epidemic card. Yeah. Right. But yeah, that December game was was pretty cool because we had to, yeah, we had to get Johannesburg added and we had mm -hmm. to to get the virus <laughs> there so that we could um, research or get a live sample there. And oh, we had to sacrifice your character, didn't we, Brett? Mm -hmm. I died, yeah. Yes, yeah. we had to sacrifice Brett's character in order to make it work. We had basically one shot to do it, to get that sample to Johannesburg. Because you had to get into the last lab in China, which was difficult, which was like a team effort just in the first place. And then we had to take it all the way to Johannesburg. But we did it. Yeah, and the restrictions on the movement, I think it was we could I could only move like one uh, city at a time. And I had to, oh no, it was that I had to have a card every single time I wanted to move. Right, so we basically like loaded you up with everything you need and sent you off. Sent you off to die. <laughs> yes, because I had a viral load that would kill me. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah, no, he, the, the, he was we infected him. Any other way. Yeah, know? he was infected with the virus, and so he yes, was going to be right. the live sample. Yes, that's what, what it was. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I think our moves earlier in the game, really planning the efficient routes, like the sea routes and the land routes going from city to city, trying to find that most efficient way to move mm -hmm. across, um, really helped us in that end game. Yeah. Because I, I have no idea how we would have made it if if we were just short one or two moves. No, that was pretty tough, that one. So yeah, another another great conclusion. So Pandemic 1 and 2 had great, great uh, climactic last games. So there we go, Pandemic Season 2. Any last thoughts? But, uh, I got a good story for Pandemic 2, even though we're not complete. So we finished Pandemic 1 in January 2020, just before it starts, right? And uh, I, I follow whatever, some designers, and there's this one guy, his name is uh, Andrew Lawrence, and he's making this game called uh, Deliverance. And uh, he had a live stream on Facebook, and I was watching. He's talking about uh, building these angel and demon minifigures for his game. And then he goes, this pandemic has sucked. So if anybody uh, out there wants a game, and it's not a Kickstarter game, and I can go pick it up, I'm going to send it to you. So there was like only a handful of people listening. I said, yeah, I would really like Pandemic Legacy Season 2. And he sent it to me. <laughs> right on. Sweet. In the in the pandemic. But there then that go. was also the negative. Because we started playing this, and everybody was pandemic out. So that kind of, we got going, and then it was like, oh, this pandemic is just pandemic-y enough. Let's hold off on pandemic. So now when we start again, I'm going to have to, I don't want to miss all these things you guys are pointing out. So I'm going to have to make sure we're not decarifying ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> all right. no, I, I'm, I'm sure the general population has a better literacy rate. <laughs> I, I would hope so. Then, then, then the, 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 the more semi-smart people in the room. Yeah. <laughs> That's flavor text. We don't need to know this. Yeah. Yeah. As a group that really prides themselves on being, you know, playing a lot of board games and really understanding them, we we did such a poor job <laughs> of just the fundamentals. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. So those are pandemic season one and season two. Full spoilers. I'm sure there's lots more we could have got into. But let's, all right, pandemic season zero, here we go. We're at that stage where I get to say thank you for tuning in and listening and uh, and, and and just being so awesome. So uh, I'm your host, Norm. I'm Ryan. I'm Ian. And we'll catch you later. This has been an episode of Cardboard Conjecture, and we are Bridge City Board Gamers. And you can find us on Facebook at Bridge City Board Gamers Saskatoon. You can find us on YouTube, Bridge City Board Gamers. We are also on Twitter, at BC Board Gamers. And of course, Board Game Geek Guild number 3039.